0: Product
1: market fit is a continual exercise of experimentation. And so you constantly have to get customer feedback. You shouldn't care about what you're building. You should only care about what you're solving. Mm -hmm. And even the word solution is almost a bit of a misnomer um, until it's actually solved something. You can't call something a solution. We're building a solution. Well, if you're still building it, how can you call it a solution? <laughs> it's not past that, tense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you don't know if it solved anything for anybody, but you're calling it a solution. That's a little egotistical. Mm.
0: Hello. Welcome to Tiny Dragon, where we dive deep into tech startups mastering product market fit, even in the most unfamiliar markets. I'm your host, Elaine. Join us as we dive deep into the hearts of tech startups, uncovering the secrets of how tech startups found their product market fit, turning complex insights into actionable strategies for entrepreneurs and tech enthusiasts alike. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tiny Dragon Podcast, uh, where we share inspiring stories of tech startups finding product market fit in foreign markets. So today we have a guest, uh, Todd Embley. Uh, thank you so much, Todd, for doing this. Yes, uh, hey, Todd thanks, has Wayne. a wealth of experience, you know, uh, helping tech startups in foreign markets. So... Um, I know, Todd, um, you are still a host and executive producer at the Negotiation Podcast, um, an ex-founder institute of Western Canada, ex-director. Spent 12 years in China from 2008 to 2016, right? And also previously was uh, SOSV's uh, China Accelerator Program Director. Yeah, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your background, how you came, went from like Canada to China and, you know, come back. Yeah, and so on and so forth.
1: Okay, so, uh, you know, let's say in my 20s, I, you know, I ended up, I was at UPS uh, for a number of years, uh, doing more of the corporate stuff. And then uh, I decided to switch up directions. I went to school, got my, my business degree, and I hadn't traveled. So I wanted to go somewhere. It was a bit of a dart throw at a map. My father had done, uh, got back from a business trip. He was in the forest industry. He'd come back from China, was talking about China. And it just got under my skin. Uh, you know, I thought, hey, you know what? That's a great place. I knew nobody. And I packed all my bags. And I had, I, I, uh, I was on a, a study visa. So I would, had enrolled in a, a foreign languages university. And through some connections from my dad, I ended up landing in a place called Dalian. Oh. in the northeast of china
0: what uh, was this you know,
1: this was in 2007 okay and I so i i ended up there and as every fun story has uh you know the heroine of the story of my my now wife so i met my wife when i was in china oh. uh, she she's from russia however and she was also there studying mandarin uh that uh, led to us deciding to then stay in China long term. I then got the entrepreneurial bug. I started a magazine for foreigners uh, in China, so online and offline. So we were printing as well as publishing online, uh, doing a lot of advertorials and keeping foreigners up to date. Now, I mean, again, 2008, 2009, (laughs) Not a lot of good information on what's going on and not a lot of good avenues for China companies to market to foreigners. So I went through a bunch of stuff that belongs in a book. May be too long for this podcast. Uh, a <laughs> lot of ups and downs, trials and tribulations. You, you, as a forwarder, I'll say, and as we start this conversation, that you may want to avoid getting into media in China. Mm. Um, that wasn't a, a wise decision on on my my behalf. Uh, they saw it as media. I just saw it as advertising. Uh, but then, uh, uh, you know, a friend of mine that I, you know, we, I was hanging out with a lot. Uh, his wife and 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 himself, and our, me and my wife, and. Uh, he was, um, he was running something called eGraphs. He, he worked for TBWA, uh, mm. a big, big, you know, uh, one of those. advertising Yeah. Big advertising companies. And then he met a guy named Sean O'Sullivan. Now, as we talk uh-huh. about SOS ventures, SOS is that Ico naming where he took his name and made it into SOS, Sean O'Sullivan ventures. Uh, uh-huh. they've rebranded to SOSV ever since. Uh, he not uh, Cyril, SOS
0: doesn't help, right? <laughs> exactly,
1: but that's that's the th- that's we've had to walk everybody back off of that, uh, ever since we started. So, uh, so he had a venture capital fund and mm-hmm. he was uh running a, a ride sharing company out of uh Ireland mm-hmm. and it was a kind of a hop on, hop off. So, you use like and he came from a mapping software background, it's where he made all his money. He, he and uh, a few. Uh, colleagues of his or, or classmates of his at Rensselaer University had developed a mapping software that was essentially the backbone of MapQuest and Google Maps. Oh. And so now they were doing a rideshare. Uh, you you plug in where you're going, the map shows up, and then people can you can say how many seats you have, and people can hop on and hop off along your route, and you can charge them. Uh, so he was building a tech team out. He come to Dalian. We met him, started talking to him. He started wondering about investing into other technologies in China. Mm. Uh, Cyril actually brought up, "Hey, there's this thing called Tech Stars. We could do an accelerator." So we launched China Accelerator, which was the right. first accelerator in all of Asia. Uh, wow. And then Kai, Kai Fu Lee, who launched Innovation Works, mm-hmm. uh, he came in about six months behind us and, and about you know 200x the the amount of capital that that we had going. Uh, <laughs> that was in
0: Beijing, right? Yeah,
1: it was, it was in Beijing. And then, uh, and then he launched right into Shanghai as well. And he had some huge mm. co-working spaces for innovation works down in Shanghai as well. Right. And, uh, so a few years of running, uh, we did that, uh, you know, a year in, um, Cyril got this idea that there was a lot of economies of scale with regards to hardware. So you had Raspberry Pi and Arduino and mm. all these kind of technologies that had come up. And he thought, you know what? I think innovation is really going to take off. I think we could run an accelerator for hardware startups now. So mm. we started Hacks down in Shenzhen. Oh,
0: in Shenzhen. Oh, I didn't yeah. know you were involved in both of them. Okay, I yeah, see. Yeah,
1: all SOSV. Ah. And so launched that. Mm. And uh, and then so he, he left actually to actually go to Shenzhen. I took over the software side China Accelerator in Dalian. And then in 2013, our lease was up. And we decided to double down. And it was in, it was pretty clear that we needed to get out of Dalian, move into a major city like Beijing and Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to move it to Shanghai. Um, and then I had to rebuild from scratch, uh, down there. So met Bob Jung from People Squared, uh, which was a big right. co-working space uh throughout China, and we moved into one of his spaces. I t- basically took over his event space for for four months and then uh carved out my own space in in a new Jingan uh building that he was building in the middle of shanghai and right. did that from scratch right from the blueprints and then we moved into there later and then scaled that up and did all that and uh yeah so i mean that's that's basically and then in 2016 um i took off to silicon valley i was running a co-working space i was the director of parasoma which was the longest running co-working space in all of san francisco uh, mm. just a block away from the the twitter building downtown and then headed back to canada as you mentioned uh we started the founder institute so i was the director of founder institute western canada for a couple of years and then i joined agora which is a publicly listed company on the nasdaq uh mostly chinese based but dual headquartered in, San, in santa clara and and shanghai yeah. and i was running the startup program for them uh hmm. worldwide and, uh, yeah, and then uh, and I've and been doing the podcast. So I did the China Startup Pulse while I was in China. So I was podcasting for years there um, in English, telling people about what was going on on the ground in startups in China for foreign companies who wanted to come there and foreign yeah. startups who wanted to come there. And, uh, and then, of course, now doing the negotiation, which is not about negotiating. It is really about uh, negotiating the cultural divide between the East and the West to try to help mm. companies and brands enter China and do better business in a place that, you know, it's an enigma wrapped in an onion, wrapped in a riddle, you know, it's, it's very difficult <laughs> to figure out China. So uh, that's what we do is we just uh, explore a lot, a lot about e-commerce really throughout uh, China and Southeast Asia, Japan, Korea. Uh, yeah. So mm. some really, really good stuff. there. Yeah. So
0: you were there right from the start of it's two Oh Oh seven. It's right before
1: Beijing Olympics, right? The iPhone comes out. And, you know, it was amazing because 2007, the iPhone comes out and you, you're sitting there watching nearly a billion people gain access to the internet within mm. 18 months, you know, wow. through smartphones. I and think that's so, when Ali,
0: Alibaba started too, right?
1: Alibaba and then yeah. Tencent and, right. you know, there was QQ, there was Baidu, mm. uh, you know, and then later on, you know, you had Xiaomi and you had uh Huawei, and then of course, now it's it's, Dou Dua and it's uh, Xiao Hong Shu, and it's just like, yeah, <laughs> like crazy, right? It's your, like,
0: your Chinese pronunciation yeah. is perfect for these.
1: Uh, it's funny, everybody asked me if I could speak Chinese, and I really can't. I couldn't <laughs> hold a conversation, but yeah. I would get in a taxi, and the taxi driver, and I'd be like, "Uh, uh bu huyue, zhongwen, fei bu and they would look at me with the most hilarious stare. <laughs> Because they're computing, so you're telling me that you don't speak Chinese. (laughs) But I'm listening perfect Chinese. (laughs) What is happening here? So yeah, (laughs) but I just got really good at saying you know
0: (laughs) the uh, few sentences. What (laughs) (laughs) a (laughs) jargon! Okay. Okay, great. So, um, uh, you know, now it's you know, post COVID, you know, hopefully, um, uh, what what are some of the recent market changes you've seen? You know, now now that you are back here, um, but you're still doing the pack podcast, you know, educating people about, yeah, you know, the Ch- China. What 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 have you observed? Like, where where have the market needs um, be different? Where to start?
1: You know, yeah, um, you know, on the positive side, e-commerce has exploded and has continued to explode mm. uh you know you obviously have the the main Tmall, taobao the the main platforms in china and that is you know just this raging battle um you know supported by you know the Xiaohongshus, shoes the Ping duo obviously the bite dance and the, the um you know the the tiktok version over there um and meituan all kinds of things i mean it's just it's just e-commerce everywhere um, and an interesting, you know, side kind of, you know, ancillary, you know, growth over there is just, you know, digital payments, which mm. was, which grew like crazy. And that was, that was almost also a phenomenal thing too. And
0: WeChat Pay uh, and ten, Alipay. Right? Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was the WePay, Alipay, all those things. Um, you know, we can talk about that later, but the the rise of internet banking uh, really was started and, and grew up in, in China. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was also really, really fun to watch, you know, and ant financial and, and, you know, all this kind of things. Um, but I think e-commerce now you have, you know, Shopee and Lazada in Southeast Asia. Um, and you know, for those who want to get ahead, just keep an eye on TikTok shop. Um, mm. you know, that is, they're coming, they're coming hard and they're going to become an e-commerce platform and it's going to be kind of fascinating to watch, uh, how they do, um, so those changes, I mean, in you know, covid post covid, there's been this uh work from home, obviously, yeah. you know, like the the co-working space industry really kind of took it right on the chin, yeah, and so like people squared and we work and all of them they they had to close a lot of doors, close a lot mm. of doors um but it's it's created um different lifestyle you you saw you know things uh, different different market segments like um home kitchenware Hmm. you know like blenders and and pots and pans all of a sudden this entire generation mostly millennials who didn't know how to cook are now (laughs) forced to because they have to stay at home and so it's past two years yeah yeah so it's bred an entire opportunity there obviously meituan huge you know bait meituan's the 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 skip the dishes of of china Hmm. um you know plus 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 uh, they're never just one thing um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's been pretty, pretty amazing. Um, you know, obviously we're seeing economic growth slowing, uh, mm-hmm. in, 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 China. Um, but I wouldn't be deterred by that because that's just, that's literally a matter of, of just, you couldn't possibly grow that fast for forever. You mm-hmm. just can't, uh, you, mm-hmm. it's just a saturation point has to happen. Right. And so we're, we're starting to get there. Um, I think it's also a really, really interesting time for foreign brands, um, you know, going, going either way because through COVID there was a lot of foreigners who decided to go back home. Mm. So I think the expat population in China really started to kind of shrink Mm -hmm. and and it might be at its lowest point since 2005 or 2000, you know, it's super, uh, compressed now it's swelled. I mean, 2015, Uh, Yeah, you know there must have been five hundred thousand foreigners just in Shanghai, uh, Mm. and now it's down to about seventy. So Mm. it's really, you know, changed. Therein lies the opportunity, though, right? And and those are just some of the basics of entrepreneurship. Everywhere there's a problem for those that are willing, that's the opportunity, right? So, so so are there of room to
0: run? Mm -hmm. Certain sectors, you think, that are growing, you know, in the China market.
1: Oh well, certain I mean, sectors of
0: businesses. Yeah,
1: know. like from from a high level macro level, I I think obviously AI, yeah, I know, beat to death, but but AI China's king. And I mean, anywhere that you have copious amounts of data, I think AI is going to be strong. And nowhere mm-hmm. is there more data and and more data collection that's been happening for a longer period of time than in China. So yep. um that's incredible. Um electric vehicles. Um, okay i think is well elon Musk is
0: there still right
1: yeah yeah i mean and and you look at um warren buffett and and you know his massive 300 into byd exactly hmm. um doing incredible things and you know we just talked with um oh I, i'm i'm her name is escaping me uh might be chin chen she's the managing editor at uh at um Techno, uh, oh my, techno. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she, we just interviewed her, and we were talking about this uh, a lot. Where you can, for you know, thirty thousand USD, you can get this unbelievably um, looking electric vehicle that looks like a sports car, gull wing mm. doors, and the whole thing for thirty thousand US. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing stuff going on there. That technology, um, whatever. I just, I, I think you know, e-commerce is, um, is, is just the raging thing to get into. Uh, I, I think over there, um, mm. where the, where the market is, um, we're seeing, I mean, fitness is huge. Health and wellness is huge. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, those things are just growing the inside body, outside body. Um, they're really starting to take their health seriously. They're really starting to take fitness seriously. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we had, uh, multiple, um, olympics in the last 15 years there that have kind of sparked a lot of interest and it's it's really being driven by a lot of the government is really getting involved in and incentivizing companies to really try to grow um a lot of these industries especially electric vehicles mm. um and green energy um is really being heavily subsidized and grants are available everywhere so um yeah, interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of stop there. Yeah. Okay,
0: so in terms of AI, now that's an interesting question. So AI replaces certain jobs mm-hmm. and China has 1.3 billion people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what do you think about that? Like, if it replaces jobs, like, what are the people going to do?
1: Um. Well, so for such a long time, China was the manufacturing hub of the world. Mm -hmm. um they're still there but they're shifting because they've evolved to be one of you know if not the kind of top market in the world and so their consumerism has grown incredibly and Mm -hmm. they're now enjoying life and and there's a lot of wealth um and it it goes quite deep Mm -hmm. and so you know the, the 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 labor force so to speak um has lessened for a lot of the manufacturer a lot of the blue collar as well um but ai here's the way to look at it ai as much as it replaces jobs it creates jobs Mm. so if you were doing a job that a robot can do then it was inevitable that you would eventually be replaced Mm. and whether we're seeing this in ai assistance or all the automated chat bots on your website you know it's just a you know you got the plugins and the pop-ups and you can dialogue with with what seems like customer service for for hours before you actually talking to a real person it just knows how to handle it it's so smart um and then you you obviously see the evolutions with chat gbt um and you know i mean i I, I was telling my latest web designer I was I was threatening to write my entire website using chat GPT, Um <laughs> but I was cautioned against it because apparently Google is right behind it, um being able to being able to tell what was human and what was not. Um, hmm. so that technology is also racing along, um and uh and then we 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 maybe shan't get into all the uh, potential theoretical, conspiracy theory downsides of of robots taking over the world stuff but
0: yeah 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 so yeah so i guess uh more more new types of jobs might be created right and yeah. people just have to upgrade themselves so I'm, so I'm super interested in all these cross-cultural stories that you have like living in china mm-hmm. bringing western tech startups over there and maybe also reverse now you know uh, Chinese textiles coming over to North America, yeah, yeah or, or Europe.
1: Well, yeah. you have to timestamp those um, those stories as well because, of course. you know, as uh, you know, Ferris Bueller said, to, you know, life moves fast, and nowhere does it move faster than in China." Uh, he, mm-hmm. I added the second part, obviously. He <laughs> didn't say that. Uh, but it's. You know, it's, it. you know, the things like, let me use China Accelerator, China Accelerator and Hacks, actually, as examples. So we started in 2010, September 2010 was batch one. Um, We were bringing foreign companies Mm -hmm. to China. And we did that for a bit. But China wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. Um, China mentors weren't a thing. Um, And that was... That was an interesting way because anybody who's been part of a really good program knows that the quality of the mentors and those that are involved are really the kind of the key to how successful the program can be uh, mm. for you. And we were really struggling to get really good mentors that were local. They mm. didn't understand. And and I remember this particular conversation with one where one year I asked him, he'd become be a mentor and whatnot. And he, and he said, I don't understand that. I would never do that. Shocking to me at the time I was new. (laughs) And he, and he, and he said, why would I give away my advice for free? If I like a company, I'm going to invest. I'm going to take a board seat and I'm going to just make them successful through my relationships. Right. Um, I figured out how that all worked later. You know, he was a good friend with somebody high up at China mobile and, you know, uh, you you just you just make success happen. Um, Mm. It's no longer it's much more now uh, a fair uh, and free market um, than it ever has been before. Uh, And then I you know, I saw him a year and a half later, I think it was at GMIC in Beijing, uh, and Global Mobile Internet Conference in I asked him again, and he said, that uh he would because the government has taken all the investors in china and mandated that they give 20 percent pro bono uh as advice and mentorship and, <laughs> they had to, and he's like because the government's making me i'll do it and top, top i was like down. oh wow yeah top yeah. down 100 so um it started to change but back then i couldn't it wasn't good and i don't think china was really ready and i'm not sure we understood china enough to be that ready for them mm. um and so We kind of we flipped the script, and we thought, you know what? Let's help Chinese startups go global. Mm -hmm. We we just ran into different issues. Um, Yeah, I don't think they could. They weren't familiar enough with the West. Mm. You know, the West really hadn't been open to China that long. And uh, yes, they may have watched, you know, the DVD set of Friends and you know they may <laughs> have been on facebook but it wasn't they still didn't really understand it. so so that gut instinct of being able to understand and read between the lines of what customers um, are telling you they want versus what they're showing you they want they didn't know how to kind of find that product market fit mm. by executing proper experiments Mm -hmm. and and so they they really struggled and and once again we just saw ships crashing on the cliffs of trying to enter and go west yeah so um so then we we continued on and we did a bit of a hybrid and now if we start to look at 2013 2014 again only a few years but everything had changed like Hmm. threefold and so why did that
0: happen you think
1: I, I think it, it, all things grew um, sure. especially on the investor side mm. um, as you started to track and watch the money going when you started to see uh, Chinese wealth standing up Silicon Valley funds in USD and when you started to see um, the laws start to change you know initially we were investing in startups through JV's with Hong Kong entities mm. um, and 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 company bank accounts set up in in Hong Kong, um, you know maximum frustration reach with with U.S. founders in particular because the IRS uh, and their rules that if uh, a, a U.S. person owned more than fifty percent of a company and we're trying to open a bank account in Hong Kong, suddenly the IRS could come in and audit and the no bank in Hong Kong or, or anywhere outside of America wanted the IRS having any reason to be able to dip their toes into their business. Mm. Um, it was, there it, it was so many things that were going right. on, but it all started to grow up. Everybody started to mature. Hmm. The continuation of overseas returned, coming back, both fresh graduates and seasoned professionals and seasoned investors. Yeah. And then mentors. And then you did see some success in the Googles and Facebooks Maybe not as much Facebook, but Google and Microsoft starting to do the right things and learning how to play ball with China, so that mm. they could exist and grow certain things. Mm. Um, and and you know, it just it all started to just kind of go, and everybody got it. And they said we were we were essentially too early by about three <laughs> years. Wow. Right? Okay. And so, um, but that tenure has served us uh very very well and has you know and and hacks was the same thing hacks was interesting because they split hacks at one point into hacks and hacks global so they took the foreigners and put them on a track and they took the locals and put them on a different track Mm. and they split it that way because the chinese just were masters of production and manufacturing so when you're talking about hardware Mm. they got that right through and through Right. Uh, it, it was more on the business side from a global perspective that they were lacking. Mm. And on the flip side, you know, you get a bunch of entrepreneurs, they MBA graduates or something, they get business marketing sales. They just didn't know how to actually produce. Ah. Um, they didn't know, you know, they could make a slick video and throw it up on Kickstarter and raise a bunch of money. But two and a half years later, they hadn't shipped a thing because <laughs> they didn't know how to make.
0: Oh wow, so, interesting. Yeah. So, what did they? Did the teams come together then to complement each other.
1: You'd think that would have been a good idea, uh, uh. but again, cultures and language and barriers—you know, uh. we're, were all there. But you know, essentially, that's that was the origination of why Hacks was in Shenzhen was like you bring um, all the hustle and the ideas, and 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 we'll mentor you through things. But what Hacks was really going to give you was. Uh, the manufacturing side of things and you know we would take them and introduce them and do tours of of factories and meet with the managers and we had uh, a lot of local staff that were that had manufacturing backgrounds that could help navigate and and do that um Hmm. it uh you know eventually it got figured out i mean the factories also had to learn how to work with foreigners right and i mean everybody was like a deadline is a deadline (laughs) yeah exactly
0: right interesting so what 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 were some of the you know interesting tidbits of stories of um product market fit like you know either western companies coming to china or the reverse like if you could share. Uh,
1: yeah, um you know I think one of you know talking about even just the process which was always the most interesting thing to me um because this is and this is why I loved WeChat so very much Mm. because what we what we what we had to do was to tell tell the chinese startups to stop building and start finding fit and then we had to tell you know the foreign startups (laughs) to stop selling and marketing and actually make oh Um, wow that's funny So they had you had two (laughs) very different problems um but you know, one doesn't go well without the other, right? Mm. And so there was just, you know, and, and it was frustrating because we would see them just cranking away on 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 coding for for weeks and months without in the dark, yeah, basically not ever showing anybody, not testing, right? And and, and this kind of goes back if you've ever done the marshmallow challenge. Uh, One of the great insights for innovation that can be gained from that exercise is that as you're building your tower of spaghetti uh, noodles that you have to test because Mm -hmm. the marshmallow sitting on the table looks like a cotton ball and then when you put it on these little flimsy sticks of, of spaghetti, you don't realize it's a dense candy and is much heavier than you think and will crumble your entire structure. If you do that with only two minutes left in the exercise, your whole thing breaks and you end up at zero. Mm. Uh, whereas if five minutes in you build the first leg of the structure and you test, mm. well, now, you know, if, whether you're ready to go forward or not. And so, right. you know, that was kind of the key. And, and we just couldn't, we couldn't get them in, and, it was, it was this fear of failure. And that's what inhibited them being able to find product market fit because mm. product market fit is a continual exercise of ex- experimentation. And so you constantly have to get customer feedback. And the we had a different issue with Western founders because of their ego. And mm. they wanted to be right with their idea. They, mm. um, they just figured they had to go find their market for their product. They didn't have to mix and bring the two together. They didn't mm. have to try to find a product that found, you know, um, for a market, they Stick had the market. their idea. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So it was it was difficult to come in and try to teach people that essentially you shouldn't care about what you're building you should only care about what you're solving. Mm. And even the word solution is almost a bit of a misnomer um, until it's actually solved something. You can't call something a solution. We're building a solution. Well, if you're still building it, how can you call it a solution? (laughs) It's not past tense. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't know if it's solved anything for anybody, but you're calling it a solution. That's a little egotistical. Mm. Um, So- you know and and that's the whole thing was was you need to understand the problem who has the what is the problem how big is the problem who has the problem and lastly and most importantly are they willing to pay mm. for a solution and until you know those things don't build anything
2: mm. right
1: don't write right. a book unless you know that people are willing to put a down payment on the book based on the table of contents right
0: right, right.
1: You know, I mean, and that's the thing you, and so this is where I loved WeChat and we have these WeChat groups had a 500 person max, but what you could do is you could just go in and throw fodder and just talk about the problem. Stop talking about any kind of solution. Mm. You don't get to choose the solution. They do Yeah, all the time. It's your job to almost be a psychiatrist, sit them all <laughs> on a leather couch and extract what they really want and are willing to pay for through a series of questions and, 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 and really kind of throwing out examples, you have to tease it out. That's, that's the essential ability of a great entrepreneur is to always have the market telling them what they want and are willing to pay for Mm. My God, the easy thing is now you just got to build it. Yeah. And it's essentially not as hard as you think to build it. Um, But you have to be asking the right questions to know what to build, knowing ahead of time that people will probably be willing to pay for it. So Mm. you would start these groups around a problem. You basically be uh, like a like a like like a bitch session. Really, you're you're creating like, hey, anybody else have this problem? I've created this group for people who struggle with this and then see Mm. how many people join. If you get a bunch of people joining. Great. Now, you know that people Mm. are aligned or at least feel the problem in a way that they're willing to join your group knowing they're going to get spam and it's going to get noisy and they're going to get notifications and you know they're already kind of throwing you currency validating that they have this problem and that anyway this this gets into product market so basics but
0: right
1: it leaves the realm of like the the international stuff we want to talk about but uh, I could go on and on about that. So, but do WeChat you chat co- was great for that?
0: Did you coach the Western entrepreneurs to start WeChat groups to listen in on what the yes. market is telling us?
1: Yeah, huh. yeah, it, 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 exactly. In Chinese
0: just, or in English?
1: Well, because you had to translate, so oh, okay. it was very, very helpful. Um, but, but yes, I mean, you, you had to go, you can take the premise. You can, you can, you can make a prototype. You can make an, you know, an MVUP, uh, and, and take that out there. Um, Mm. the U is usable, minimum viable, usable product. Yeah. If you can't, you know, minimum viable product only gets you hearsay. It only Mm. gets you what people say. If it's usable, now you can track actually what they do and how they Mm. use it, uh, which is Mm. far more usable to you. Um, but yeah, the WeChat groups are great because, you're you're navigating you you're be as a moderator as the owner of the group you can control the chat and Mm. so you can be throwing in articles uh uh, from whatever source whatever was 36 kr or 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 what have you and you could be throwing stuff in and just ask people's opinions don't Mm. opine yourself nobody Mm. cares and you should care the least of your own opinion you know don't uh don't sway the jury here yeah. Just let it be unbiased and let them go. Throw it and say, hey, I just saw this thing. They're claiming this and this, this. Do you guys agree? What do you mm-hmm. guys think about this? And then just stand back, watch, read, listen, take notes and try to understand. And then if you if you are really particular at a particular point, you could add in, well, what about this point? Or what about that point? And then just watch. And, and if you can get a velocity of conversation going mm-hmm. and where they're all discussing this, and then later, you can like even if you came up with a little white paper and you PDF'd it, and then you threw it up and you put a ninety nine cent paywall in front of it, and you threw it into the WeChat group, and say, "Hey guys, after everything we've been talking about, I decided to kind of like based on my background, I think I can." be a little bit helpful here so i've done it in a white paper form mm. um i do want to put a little bit of a paywall so like one rem and b if you don't mind donating <laughs> and you know something like this but again you're trying to get that currency right the proof that not only is this a problem they're willing to solve but they will pay you for pay the for solution it. right that's the key that's the business part of it right you don't have a business unless somebody pays you
0: so it's really community building in the beginning
1: Yes, uh, sounds A community like community of early adopters and mm. customers.
0: Right, even before the product is built. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's why it's kind of key to detail that community guideline and and the entity and the soul of what that community is. Be very particular and intent with 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 how you script the bio of what it's all about, so that you know you're attracting the right people.
0: Mm. So flipping to the other side when when Chinese comp tech startups go abroad, like how how do they understand product market fit like for Western markets?
1: Um same same quantity uh and quality of struggle just 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 different. Um there you know it's the intuitive intuitiveness it's it's difficult but the intuitiveness of understanding what people are trying to tell you Mm. which is why again i'm always pushing the payment part like you know green you know money is colorblind Mm -hmm. so or race blind or culture blind Mm -hmm. so if whatever you're doing if you're constantly testing and experimenting and seeing if people would be willing to pay anything Mm. even if it's personal data Uh, you know, my phone number, my email address, my time, uh, my likeness. Um, if I'm donating that to what you're doing, that Mm. is actually currency. It's things that we hold dear and we don't like to part with it. Same as money. And so it's a validation that what you're doing is something worthwhile. And yeah, you can translate your way through, you can do it, but you, you just have to do it. And getting over the fear of saying i may not understand this culture mm. um it's fine it doesn't matter does you language need, matter cuz data is data language can matter i mean mm. you 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 do get into the nuances and it's not to say that it won't but just the the validation through currency mm. whatever currency we're we're looking at that's really your your golden truth Mm. to at least know you're headed in the right direction and that's the key and you always can base whether you want to continue building this or not whether you've had that validation of currency to it being valuable Mm. in a form of somebody willing to pay for it right and so if you're going to, once you start like, you know, would you guys prefer red or blue, you know, or some things like this, then then it gets a little bit different. Like, you know, one of the things in China is that Chinese people in a, in, in giving you face don't want to say no. So <laughs> you'll get yes all day long. It's just varying degrees. You have to figure out which yes means no and which yes <laughs> means
0: yes. Yeah. Culturally, people are trying to be polite, right? Yes.
1: Right. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so henceforth, it is so vitally important that you don't stop there and check it off. And say, "Yep, we're good to go." He said, "Yes, let's go build." <laughs> um, right? You know, yeah. But, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Facebook groups on this side, you know, and and that that was another good thing And I would just like get a Facebook group going. You know, just get attention, get an audience.
2: Mm. Like,
1: don't build what you think. Build what they want. Yeah. And yeah. Now it's up to you figure out how to get them to tell you what it is they want, how they want it, and how much they're willing to pay for it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: now you can make a business decision based on the cost versus, you know, the the return of whether there's a business here or not. But yeah. generally speaking, you know, if the lifetime value of the customer is even one cent more of the cost of the customer acquisition, you're in a business that is mm. at least making money, even if it's one cent
0: right right so you mentioned previously like you know coaching the chinese textiles versus the western they they have different issues what where, where do you think different that behaviors came from?
1: different yeah i mean you know it's 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 funny because um <laughs> i mean the, the the chinese are just they're different and then you know the west they're different and you're dealing with with different fears You're dealing with different egos and you're, you're dealing with different levers. I mean, even when I was at China Accelerator back in Dalian days and trying to invest in this founder, who's really doing something really, really cool. Um, And we thought, wow, like we can get involved and see where this goes. It's worth the investment. And then having to talk to that kid's parents. (laughs) Be able. How old is the kid? Oh yeah, 20?
0: Tw- okay. Yeah. Families but involved. Right?
1: They're okay. still, you know, under the you know the umbrella. So yeah. um just very, very different. Um and, and and it was more that fear they they didn't want to show anybody anything because they couldn't accept negative criticism. Because mm. if if they went to market and it failed, they were done and they'd have to return to their home city and go work at that job at the bank that their dad got for them. And, you know, can maybe start to unshame their parents, um, going forward, you know, their unemployed son or daughter, you know, it just like totally different things. Why? Um, and then in the U S, um, it was to try to, slow them down from the ideas and just try to cheat like ideas are worthless nobody cares what you think and what you want to build like unless you're really doing groundbreaking technology Mm. um, you're leveraging existing technology to try to break into something new or to solve something Um, but it was so hard to get them off of their idea and just understand that you're you're solving a problem. Nobody gives a crap about what it is that you think everybody needs. you right. And as the, and then and then, so I would just flood them with investors right away because investors <laughs> are very good about going. Break their How egos? do you know? How have you proven this? What proof <laughs> do you have? <clears throat> like you say, this is great, but an investor is really good because an investor doesn't care what a founder thinks about his own company. What a founder cares about is like show me the data. That says there's 10,000 people who care about what you're building mm. and are willing to pay for it, mm. then I'll invest. Right. That you tell, I don't even trust my, I don't even care what I think about what you're building. Why should you? And the only people we care, the only opinion we care about are those people out there. And until you have that opinion in data form that you can show me, well, I'm not going to care either because I right. only care what they think. And frankly, yeah. There's a there it's are the market the only you should care too. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's the market. Yeah. So um that's really interesting. So what what are the biggest mistakes you think uh, startups should avoid when expanding to another market?
1: Um so don't do it alone. Mm. Um I, I think that you need to be resourced, you need to go in knowing that your gut instincts are gonna be all wrong. You Mm. also need to understand actually how much are you rebuilding and starting from scratch. Mm. You cannot go in thinking that your product in its design form or packaging, that your marketing in design form or packaging, um, even your sales structure, uh, you're going to have to rewrite your entire email drip campaign. You know, all of it needs to be completely redone.
2: Mm.
1: And do you understand that? And do you know that is like you had success in your home market and home being cultural home, Mm. but you have a lot of gut instinct and intuition from growing up in that place, surrounded by that place that did you a lot of favors that you probably didn't realize you're not going to have any of that benefit going to a new culture. Mm. So you have to get help Mm. and you know, you wouldn't climb Alvarez without a Sherpa. You need to have boots on the ground and you need to start looking at locals and you need to put the ego away and start listening like really listening Mm. um as much as you've done listening to the market to be successful where you are you're gonna have to double down on that because you aren't gonna really truly understand Mm. when you go to another market what they're actually saying it's not just gonna come instantly to you it's gonna be a learned skill of reading between the lines and you just see too many. I've seen just too many startups raise a ton of money, uh, you know, at Parasoma. And we had a ton of French companies who were funded out of France. And then that was the thing. And and don't get me wrong. This is you got to go to the big markets. This is how you get the big money, because mm-hmm. if, if you're sitting in a small market, eventually you're going to have to go. Um, right. But and, and, and another mistake, they go too early. Really, really spend more time nailing your home market mm. and understanding who you are. You really, really have to be able to, to to refine the essence of what made you successful, including all the luck that you had, and calculate that. Uh, don't count on that again. And where you were able to be better than your competitors, and mm. then take all of that refined... Um advantage that helped you win? And then layer that on top of the new market and see if Mm. it still fits the same way? Do you still have those advantages? Mm. Um, But, you know, and and if they're not there, that doesn't, it's not a stop sign or a quit. It just means that you may have to find new refined advantages in that market through just an analysis of what that market and especially the the competitors there um are like and how they operate.
0: Mm. Um, so usually at which stage would like say a Western tech stop go to a foreign market like China? Like they, ha- they have to already hone in on the yeah, their home I market, mean, right?
1: Typically to me, um international expansion, it's it's you know it's 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 like hitting a nail with a sledgehammer here, but um, Series B,
0: just series B. just mm-hmm. as a
1: like like Series, you know, um, you you get your growth stage care capital, you get your Series A, uh, to really dominate, um, and then Series B is is where you can really start to look at that. I mean, you know, you have to be in the tens of millions of of a round because it's going to take a lot of money, right? Mm. You're gonna have to hire. You're gonna you're gonna look at a lot of loss, a lot of mistakes. You're just running re experiments and whatnot. And it's just really, really, you know, important that um, that you be able to do that. So um so yeah I would say it's a series B.
0: If it's tens um, of millions, then the tech stop already has it's a pretty big organization, right? With like yeah. head of global expansion, like do, do you think the CEO still needs to be in the trenches going to the foreign market or delegating that role to somebody who's more familiar with that foreign market?
1: Um, well, it depends. I know terrible Mm. answer. Um, this is kind of depends on the vertical. Uh, Mm. like if you, if you're highly tech and this is very programmatic, um, I think the CEO is going to be involved at some point. Um, if this is more of a, um, let's say like a product um, penetration play Uh, you could probably turn something over to the CMO or, you know, have a, you know, head of expansion or something like that. Um, You know, the, the, the ways to do it are really, I think, raise some of your money. If you're raising a series B Mm. and that's your plan, get some of that money coming from that country, right? Mm. Bring them into the round. That's going to be your, that's just your best way to to do it, right? If if you want to go to, let's say you want to go to Indonesia, right, mm-hmm. 240 million people, big market, you want to expand into there, um, bring in some Indonesian money. Get oh. get some skin in the game from some people who are widely successful there and leverage their relationship. It's going to make mm-hmm. things so much easier, right? And then they'll know That's right. why they get you set up and whatnot. Um, I, I think that would be a great way to do it. Um, the other thing you can do is you can enter you can do market entry through acquisition. Mm. right? So you can go and you could probably buy some team, buy some some local audience attention um, mm-hmm. and 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 maybe acquire and integrate um keeping everything somewhat separate for a certain period of time. And you really just want to avoid being the type of ceo who remote controls from abroad and doesn't Mm -hmm. let the local team and the local entity operate at local speed in local ways um and that i mean that
0: we see a lot of those right
1: (laughs) well it's some of the biggest failures of trying to go into china Mm. that 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 we experienced was having and just watching that happen of of just the CEO just helicoptering over that expansion far too much mm. instead of just, you know, resource training, you know, the whole thing. Like you, you, you prepare your SEAL team six as best you can. Mm. But then when you take it to the shores, you drop them off. They've got their local guides. They're resourced. They've got all their equipment. They've got all their money, everything they need to do. But then you need to just drive away and Hands trust off. that they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just
0: report the ROI. Right. Yes.
1: Right. 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 Mm. Right. Um, I- exactly. Uh, which is, again, when you've been obsessed with your company for four or five years and now you're suddenly going into a huge market uh, for the first time, you're going to have to relinquish the reins a little mm. bit. You just, just got to have to loosen the grip. Like there's no mm. way to do it. Interesting. But you You just have to be really good at hiring.
0: Right. Okay. So what are some of the success cases that you've seen? Both sides, like, you know,
1: mm. you know what, they're not as many as, um as you'd think it's, mm. you know, it's, it, it was interesting, I thought, I thought Uber was actually very successful entering China. Mm. Um, They, got out what they put in hmm. they didn't make anything but they did walk away with a significant chunk of um, dd uh, uh yeah dd uh and 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 you know as an ownership as a stake in that deal which was worth probably far more than they were ever going to make being there themselves operating mm. the anyway hmm. and um you you just i don't I think as if you're not local and you're entering a new market, please don't ever have the big hag, right? The big hairy audacious goal to be the incumbent, because mm. that will never happen. Um, mm. it's, especially if it's a, a a big, vast industry like social media or something like this, you know, um, you will not unseat the the top. That if they're if they're local, I mean we're you know I mean we're we're seeing that pushback even just with TikTok today, mm. where the U.S. is just convinced that this is a Chinese, uh, you know, uh, entity, uh, and they can't be convinced otherwise, and um, they're going to do what they need to do mm. to, I don't know, tie a piano to its heels so that it just can't be as good as it possibly could, um, despite how many people use it. Uh, and it goes vice versa. It's, it's, but if you, you can go in, you can definitely be successful. You can be a threat, uh, to, 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 competition, mm-hmm. um, highly unlikely that you'll be number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, you know, that's, that's kind of what we saw, uh, with, with, with Uber, where they were willing to go in, they made a huge splash. And they got out what they put in and then left with a very nice sizable chunk of DD in return as a nice exit package. That's, you know, and that chunk is, is worth billions of its own. And mm. so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they were, they were big winners. Um, but you know, not a lot of people right. know about that.
0: How about the other way around Chinese companies coming out? um, uh- by the way i've noticed like companies like insta 360 is a chinese company right uh is it really no yeah like dji actually it has the same camera lens somehow with the dji hmm. products also so uh but you always ki- you kind of like don't know that it's a chinese company it's not even positioned as a chinese company you know
1: um yeah, yeah and i mean they they try to i mean i mean i i think uh you know and i mean i was just why hasn't xiaomi been just so much bigger everywhere than it Mm. has been Um, Mm. and maybe they got a little gun shy after what happened to huawei Mm. Um, again another good example of great product all kinds of things but then you know the media and the politics get involved and they basically try to ruin a company's name why because they're not local Mm. they're not controlled Right. Mm. They're going to see, you know, too much revenue is going to flow across the ocean and we just can't have that. Mm. Right. And it's just this mistrust and, and, and whatnot. And so, you know, very, very difficult. Um, and, you know, I, I hope that one day that it's not that way. I'd love to see, I'd love to be buying a BYD electric vehicle
0: <laughs> shipped shipped over here <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah 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 exactly but we're you know in, in a way we're still waiting we're still waiting for mm. it to be you know one world
0: yeah yeah okay so last question like to summarize what's one takeaway from this interview you think our audience should you know learn from you know when going to foreign markets uh trying to find product market fit yeah
1: there's a few. Try to narrow it down. Mm. I mean, again, I'll go back to, to don't do it on your own. Um, don't do it on your own. Okay. You no, know, like, well,
0: how do you find you somebody know, you can trust? I mean,
1: it's... um, get them invested in the upside. Okay. Right. So that's where, I, like, if if you want to go and you want to expand, um, definitely you know, hire with equity stake or, um, bring an investor, mm-hmm. uh, into what you're doing so that they're, um, you know, again, you can rely on the money, uh, to do the talking for you in that, um, they're going to be helpful and they're going to be interested. They're not just going to throw their money away. They're going to want you to be successful. Yeah. Um, so their money's worth you're in the same
0: boat. Was... Right.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. and, That's good just, advice. and try to get, you know, good partners, um, try to hire really, really well. Um, and you know, if you can get some agency help, it's so, so, so valuable. Mm. It's so valuable. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, get some mentors, reach out, um, you know, be well resourced, have an understanding of that. It's, it's going to take longer than you think. Mm -hmm. Um, it will be worth it in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I would only go in with, you know, if you have multiple product suites of different things, go in with your hero products, you know, keep your, keep it small, uh, go with just like your main ones and try to try to use those to get in and and do just those things. Well, uh, keep it tight. Don't think that you can just copy paste things that were successful from marketing and sales and other things and playbooks that you have into mm. new markets. You're going to have to rebuild those. So go in knowing that, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, it's not one, but so know, those just are pi- really pilot really tests
0: and not try to swallow the ocean in one go, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah absolutely.
0: Okay, absolutely. awesome. So, last thing is, how can our audience contact you?
1: <laughs> I I love LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on it. It's got it's got messaging. Uh, I'm there. Generally, keep it up to date. Um, that's a great place to go. And uh, yeah, I mean selfishly would promote uh you know the podcast because we talk about all these things like ai and electric vehicles we've had a bunch of you know we had crystal tie from jing daily um you know uh, we had uh Ling jung from following the yuan uh we've had of course chin chen from from uh, um, technode mm. uh you know we we cover a lot of it. we even talked about the barbie movie and its success <laughs> over in china and how well it did and <laughs> um right yeah we we get into a lot of a lot of very interesting things and we branch out across southeast asia and that's the other thing is don't sleep on southeast asia as well
0: Mm, okay all right so the audience can find todd on linkedin at todd embley right Yes. okay all right thank you so much Todd, for your time yes all right thank you so much todd for your time and it was fascinating your stories about your experience in uh, china and the west all right thank you (laughs)